The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another episode of Mighty Marvel Geeks. Issues. 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 We have issues on this show. Yes, yes, yes. God, it's been a long week. And that week started April 19th. Actually, no, that week started like March 16th. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm still waiting for the weekend to end. Uh, So welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. Hey, at least I didn't call you Derek, Eric. And don't think that went unappreciated. That was last week. Um, And joining us on the line, someone who hasn't been on since 2014. (laughs) Long time overdue. And we have made a lot of changes to, to the lair since the last time he was here, such as the theme song. Hopefully you like the new theme song. Great, man. And then, uh, of course, we have our own AI. You know, Tony had Jarvis and then Friday. Well, we have Thursday. and uh, Because she's not quite Friday. <laughs> that, too. Uh, you know, I had a boss that used to call Thursday Friday's uh, pretty little sister. <laughs> but, you know, hey, Thursday, why don't you inter- introduce yourself to, to Brian? Allow me to introduce myself. I am Thursday, a virtual artificial intelligence, and I am here to assist you in a variety of tasks as best I can. So we have our own little AI here in the in the lair. Wow. I, I, I've got to say, I've, I've done a few podcasts and, and a few interviews, but this is my first time uh, interacting with an actual artificial intelligence. So that's great. Careful, though. She is snarky. She can be <laughs> very snarky. Well, hey, this is the Marvel Universe. I wouldn't have it any other way. And, and the great thing with this show is that any intelligence that we display is totally artificial to begin with. <laughs> well played. No sign of unusual brain activity. See? <laughs> so, go ahead. We're, we're the only podcast. I think we're the only podcast with a flying uh, microbus as well. So. Wow. It's true, too. Yes. When it's, got it all covered. Got it all covered. Hey, we, we take the comic and being... Shield agents theme full fold. 
All right. As we call our listeners field agents as well. Something we started. Very cool. <laughs> so um, I want to touch back on something that we talked about uh, six, wow, six years ago, almost six years ago. It'll be six years in July. Shouldn't, shouldn't we introduce our guest? For- <laughs> Nobody right. knows who I am. I thought I, I did. Anybody. I'm sorry. I Mystery guest, sign in, please. Former former Disney Imagineer, uh, part-time Marvel comic artist, or yeah, cover artist. Uh, sure. Yeah, I've, I've dabbled. You've dabbled. Um, currently working in creative at Marvel? That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm the uh, creative director. Uh-oh, Hydra's trying to intercept. Let's try that again. Creative director. Uh, creative director of Marvel-themed entertainment. And this is Brian Crosby. Uh, and Hydra is trying to shut him down. Either that or S.H.I.E.L.D. thinks he's going to say something that's classified. That's true, too. All right, so for us, it's been a couple minutes. For you guys, it's... Seamless magic of editing. Um, as we were saying, Brian is a former engineer, uh, Imagineer, engineer, former Imagineer. Um, currently with Marvel as the creative director of themed entertainment. Uh, I want to go back to something that we talked about six years ago. Um, oh man, I know. Follow up. Do you remember your conversation from six years ago? You should. You're about I, to be closed on it. Man, I don't remember my conversations from yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, let's see. We'll try that. That was a totally different life, man. I was I know. an engineer then. I know. Uh, different headspace. And, and, and the fun part about that interview is we talked about the Iron Man experience. And I, yeah. and I think we were the first podcast to, to really get any detail that was more than what had already been formally announced. So, so we kind of had an exclusive then. But the fun part of it was <laughs> I had to take that section of the interview, send it to Brian so he could send it to Disney Legal. So Disney Legal would go, okay, uh, well, we like this part here. We don't like this part here. Can you re-record this under this? And right. So we sent it back. And since it was pretty much my questioning of Brian, we redid that questioning, put it back in. I sent it back to him to send to Legal. Legal came back. Okay, we 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 give this the the Shrek seal of approval. I mean, the Mickey Mouse seal of approval. Boom, on the show, we get an exclusive. There you go. So, um, now that the <laughs> attractions open, yeah. um, one of the questions I think I had that we couldn't bring up then because we had to cut uh, was making the comparison of Howard Stark to Walt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, did that end up? Being a a factor with the ride to kind of give that vibe with with Howard. Yeah, we. I mean, we definitely talked a lot about that, and I don't think that we um, we didn't necessarily make the make the connection that Howard Stark is Walt, but we did make the mental leap. Not that we ever address it in the in the attraction or in the queue or anything like that, but we made the mental leap that theoretically. Howard and Walt could have been contemporaries, right? Like they could have run in similar circles. Um, and and certainly uh, Howard's passion for the the World Expo and and the Stark Expo and and Walt with the World's Fair and and all those things. Um, we felt like they were probably uh, probably could have been connected, you know, in some way, shape, or form. And so uh, as we started thinking about stories that we could tell uh, in the Disney theme parks, um, the Stark. Expo immediately leapt to mind as something that already had a little bit of the the Disney DNA kind of embedded in it from Iron Man 2. And um, and so we we also had to think about Marvel stories differently um, and Disney stories differently and, and, and attractions that we bring into the Disney parks. How do we bring in a Marvel attraction 
into a Disney theme park. I mean, you guys are, are Disney guys too. You know, when you, when you walk, you know, in, in the main street, there's that plaque, you know, above the tunnels is here you leave today and enter the worlds of yesterday, tomorrow and fantasy. Yep. And immediately we knew we had a little bit of a challenge because Marvel stories aren't necessarily that Marvel stories take place in the here and now for the most part. And they are, they're, you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark, Peter Parker, these guys could go to Disneyland, theoretically. It exists in their world. And so we had to think about these stories a lot differently. And so we made the decision very early on that the Stark Expo was knowingly in Tomorrowland and knowingly in Hong Kong Disneyland. And so when you ride that attraction, you actually fly up and out of Tomorrowland and, and across the bay into Hong Kong. So it was, it was all kind of there. Well, it's funny you said that because that same issue you mentioned having picked up um, Spider-Man issue. That's right. Yeah. Where they go to quote unquote Disneyland. Yes. Which in, ended up being uh, an MU pick for us one time uh, when we, I think shortly after Iron Man opened. I did it as a nod back to, to our interview. Uh, and then I ended up finding a copy of it for myself. Yeah. That inspired yeah. me because I'm like, okay, now I want to find just a crappy version of it, but have that page yeah. be be okay, you know, be pristine. Yeah. So I could frame just that page. And what's great about that page too, I mean, that, that A, that proves my point that Peter Parker would go to Disneyland. He goes there with Mary Jane in that issue. But he, he actually rides a, a log flume ride, which at the time in Disneyland did not exist. Uh, Splash Mountain wasn't there yet. And so, yeah, I don't know. I forget who the who the artist was or the writer of that particular issue. But um, they wrote in a log flume ride into Disneyland <laughs> long before Splash Mountain. Uh, I did some research. Yeah. And I when if I remember my research right, Splash Mountain was already was in the works and had been announced by the time that issue was being done. Really? I think sure? so. I think I think California's was. Because well, that, that was mid-80s. Right, but Splash Mountain didn't come around until 89 or 90. Right. I thought our, I thought Florida's didn't come around until 89 or 90. I'll have to double check. But I'm pretty sure it didn't exist. I'm I'm, I could be wrong. I'm looking now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the race to see. But I know. Well, I mean, nevertheless, it. even if it did exist, it, it didn't look anything like Splash Mountain. Right. In fact, right. It, it, it had it was lined with barbed wire going along the side of it um, yeah. and, and a chain link fence, uh, which, you know, clearly is not at Disneyland. Um, but nevertheless, it, 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 it served as fuel to say, hey, here's a right. here's a book where Disneyland takes place and these characters go there. Um, and that really I mean, that was kind of the basis of some of the early thinking on Iron Man. Experience. And, and you are correct. Uh, July 17th, 89 was Disneyland, October 2nd, 92. Um, but that, that was issue, that was Spider-Man, uh, I know it's in the, that 309? Oh gosh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I know it's in the 300 somewhere. Okay. I'll, I'll find it as, as these guys are posing some other questions. Um, but what, what ended up, um, uh, being the, the final result, um, with the attraction? I mean, you were able to see it through to completion. Um, yeah. So you you spend some time over in in, was in Hong Kong, um, yeah, opening, you know, getting it ready for open. Yeah, so it, it was a it was interesting because I I had an unusual um, you know relationship with that with that attraction as I, I helped 
jumpstart it at the very beginning. Uh, pick, got to pitch the idea uh, all the way up the chain. Actually, went to Hong Kong to pitch the idea to the to the the government there, uh, which that was a that was a whole nother experience in and of itself. It was like I was going into a top secret shield facility. It was it was pretty awesome. And uh, and then you know worked on all a lot of the development uh, of the of what the attraction would be, the queue, the story. Uh, you know we we shot the film. Uh, I actually got to do a little cameo in the film, which was fun. And then you know towards the end of the life uh, or towards the end of of, of the attraction. Uh, development, I took the job at Marvel. So then I saw the attraction through to completion while I was at Marvel. Um, and then I was able to, you know, work on the marketing and be involved in uh, creating the the merchandise and uh, the the campaign, the marketing campaign and, and everything that goes along with it, the food and beverage that uh, was there to celebrate it and help put together the, the opening ceremony. So I, I literally got to uh, have my, my fingerprints in every, every element of what that attraction came to be you know and i'm one of many of course you know there are dozens and dozens of people that that work on these things but it was it was a real um labor of love to be involved with that one all the way through and then for that to be the the first marvel attraction in a disney theme park uh ever in its history is uh is something that's pretty cool and something i you know really take a lot of pride in that's very cool cool very cool now i I question but Mike, you go first. You no, go ahead, Kyla. Go ahead. You sure? All yeah. right. So, it kind of piggybacking on the whole uh, Walt Disney and Howard Stark uh, contempor- being contemporaries. Mm-hmm. So, it, the idea was when Tony Stark was, when the character was created, that he was sort of inspired by Howard Hughes. Mm-hmm. So, did that, did you continue that characterization of, of Tony or did you kind of, make him more of a contemporary of maybe of some of the, you know, tech wizards that we have now? Um, no, I mean, I, I don't think we, we didn't really handle Tony that way. I think the way we thought of Tony was um, more similar to, to what you'd probably see in the, in the more recent films, you know, mm-hmm. with the Robert Downey Jr. portrayal. Um, it's, it's more closely associated with that. Um, I think what we, what we try to do is think about what, what the Stark Expo would be uh, mm-hmm. today. And and think about uh, if if everything that Howard Stark and we tried to boil it down to the things that we really thought he was passionate about that we saw um, in the films and we mm-hmm. saw that he was passionate about uh, about energy. You know, he, he, he designed and developed the original arc reactor. He was uh, interested in transportation. You know, he was trying to get the the flying car, you know, off the ground. You know, pun kind of intended. Um, <laughs> and he was and he was interested in protection. Um, he was involved in the original uh, Project Rebirth and and the Super Soldier program. So those three things, if you think about it, transportation, flight, energy, and protection. If you boil those three things down, you kind of get Iron Man, right? right? And and so we said, if if those three ideas were Howard's. Tony takes them, pulls them into one idea, and creates Iron Man. The future of Stark Industries would be about sending or uh, about uh, taking those three ideas and sharing them with the world. Mm-hmm. So, what is what does protection look like in the future of Stark Industries now that he's developed Iron Man? What is the future of energy? What is the future of transportation? And so, oh. so the Q 
if you follow it, goes through those different, uh, those, those three ideas. And it starts with Howard, culminates in Iron Man, and then moves on into the future of what those three ideas would mean for the future of Stark Industries. And so we went with this very uh, optimistic, you know, we felt like that was, the, that was the message of the Stark Expo, was that the future is great, the future is, is bright, the future is going to be cool, it's going to be sleek, it's going to be uh, uh, effective, uh, all that stuff. And we tried to bring that all together and say that's what the Stark Expo is, especially in a place like Disneyland. It needs to have that, that optimism. And so, uh, you know, really the, the ride itself, quote unquote, you're getting in an Iron Wing vehicle that is, you know, essentially like getting inside of a giant armor with 44 of your closest friends. You know, it's got a heads-up display. It's got armor on it. It's powered by an arc reactor, clean energy power source. And that is that is the future of Stark Industries. And so that's what you get to do. And then go do a test flight over uh, over Hong Kong. And of course, Hydra has other plans for you along oh, the way. Of <laughs> okay, so having said all that, yeah, that's my long-winded answer to your question, by the way. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Long-winded <laughs> answers are great on this show. So you figure, you, know, you, you made the mention of, you know, the Stark Expo having a, a very similar feel to, um, you know, to the, the World's Fair mm-hmm. and uh, how Howard Stark and Walt Disney could, uh, could have been contemporaries. And it makes me wonder what Epcot would have looked like if Howard and Walt had actually collaborated a little bit. Oh, look at that! Look at that model in Iron Man Two, and I think you got your answer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty close. Oh. And that's—I don't think that's unintentional, by the way. That's just my guess. But <laughs> yeah, I got goosebumps. <laughs> you know, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Now I gotta go back and watch Iron Man two again. Uh, well, think about it. What, what was I always pitching, guys? Of if if Disney was to buy the the East Coast rights to Marvel mm-hmm. and get them back from Universal, mm-hmm. what was the best thing to do to to really salvage Epcot? Star Expo. Do, Expo. Make it Stark Expo in the front, leave Walt Disney's World's Fair in the back, and then you have the best of both worlds. So I, I guess really the question that I'm trying to get to, Brian, is have you ever just sat back and thought, well, what if Howard Stark had designed World of Motion or Universe mm-hmm. of Energy? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great train of thought. I mean, I, I don't know that we um, we went there specifically. Um, I think because we were... <laughs> When we were developing Iron Man Experience, we were thinking more about what what would Tony do more so than what would Howard do, because um, right. our, our our story rose was it was Tony's story, it was an Iron Man story, um, and so but we need in order to get us there, we needed to think about where we had come from, um, and and also at that time in the MCU, uh, you know, we had two Iron Man films, we had the Incredible Hulk, we had the first Captain America, um, and we had Thor. And we were, um, we were, uh, we had Avengers. And so, uh, at least if I'm remembering all that correctly, I might be mistaken on my timeline, but um, I know we had that group of films. Um, and so, you know, those were uh, those threads that weaved through to make the Avengers film were, were definitely in our minds. Um, but I'm a longtime comic book guy, so, I, you know, I couldn't help but uh, think, of, you know, 
try to fill in the gaps with uh, what's happening in Marvel Comics, where com- Marvel Comics had been, um, and 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 in the spirit of that of the Marvel Comics and 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 the Marvel films, Marvel Studios films, of course, tell a new story. You know, we what we didn't want to do was give you something that you'd already seen. Uh, you know, you, you know, you'd been to the movies. A lot of you had read the comics. We wanted to give you something new. You know, the the Marvel universe is a fertile playground, and we thought we'd be doing a, a gross disservice to to Marvel fans if we you know regurgitated something that you'd already seen um mm-hmm. so we ha- we we wanted to do tell something new that was unique and specific to Hong Kong uh, and to Hong Kong Disneyland. And that's why our story takes place there. We fly out over that city. You're <laughs> helping Iron Man save Hong Kong. Um, and having Iron Man go up against Hydra uh, was, was something new too. You know, we hadn't seen that in the, in the films. And so, um, you know, you, you definitely get a, get a cool dose of, of what Hydra might look like um, in, at least in, in our minds uh, in that attraction. Hail Hydra. No, 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 Thursday. No. no. So, um, uh, so one of the things that I that made my jaw drop, one of the million things made my jaw drop in Iron Man, was seeing Cap Shield. Yeah. Uh, or see Tony just kind of throw it around and use it to prop up something. So, mm-hmm. do we see? Is there anything else that like kind of nods to Stark's connection to other characters? Like as I yes. go through. Because my wife and I were planning uh, an, um, a trip to uh, Hong Kong Disney and Tokyo Disney. And so my heart's breaking right now as you're telling all this. <laughs> well, it, I'm excited because I think we're going to pr- try and do this next year. Everything, you know, provided that everything's okay. So there is more little Easter eggs of that sort of thing as well? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, Captain America especially. Um uh, and and in fact, we uh, we have uh, several nods to Project Rebirth um, in the in the queue. We actually have the prototype shield that you're referring to is in the queue. Um, we did have to make it. We we made a new one, um, but we used that model exactly. Uh, we used the same fabricators to create a new, uh, you know, uh, prototype shield. Uh, we had it. We had it, and we think about how we had to figure out how that how that worked into the story and why that was important to show too. We wanted to show that uh, uh, we kind of we kind of had to work backwards because we knew where the ride was going to be, mm-hmm. and then we had to think about okay, how do we get to there? How do we get to these flying vehicles uh, and and us fighting Hydra? So we had to introduce Hydra, which again, yeah, we had to, we had to go into the assumption that people know nothing that they don't know these characters. Oh, um, wow. Hey, yeah. And, All right. Because I mean, you got to. You remember in you know it some you know it's it's hard on the mighty marvel geeks podcast we all know and are from very familiar with these characters mm-hmm. but there are many people in the world that that's this is these are new ideas um mm-hmm. and and especially again at that time in the mcu ideas like hydra and super soldier program and all that stuff those could be new new concepts and so uh, we like the idea of Iron Man fighting Hydra, fighting these big machines. Um, but we had to introduce who Hydra was, and that took us back again to Howard and and Project Rebirth. And so we we have uh, some propaganda posters for what um, w- that would have maybe been used internally in the government to like help sell uh, Project Rebirth. Um, mm-hmm. Which for eagle eye Marvel fans, they'll recognize some of the the poses from iconic classic uh, iconic comic book covers. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, all everything was very intentional, and so 
you know, and, and we use those to, you know, also introduce who Hydra was and what Hydra may have looked like um, in, in kind of the World War II era, even a, maybe a glamorized version of them, and then what the 21st century version of that might look like. So like the Hydra walkers and things like that. Um, and so we, uh, there's, a, there's a, a lot of Easter eggs in there. A lot of Easter eggs to the Iron Man films, a lot of Easter eggs to uh, Captain America. And even there's a very small, you'll, you'll miss if you blink, Easter egg to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout in Anaheim. I got to ask a question about one specific Easter egg or what I think might be an Easter egg. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at video clips of the uh, Iron Man experience queue and it's kind of like, dear God, I wish I was there to see it for real. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm right there with you, Colin, but I'm seeing references to a red flying car. Yes, sir. And it, are we seeing Nick Fury's flying Ferrari? You are not seeing that. No. Oh, man. No. No. Uh, what you are seeing there is um, what we imagined would be the the next kind of the next evolution of Howard's development of the flying car. So, you know, if we go, go back to the first, you know, Captain America film and you're at the World Expo. Right. And you see him, you know, make the car levitate. Well, we don't think in our minds that he didn't he didn't give up on that idea, you know, that that was not the end, that he continued to try and push that forward. And so the red flying car that you're seeing uh, is was dubbed Maria. Uh, and you guys will know what, you know, Maria references, um, obviously, uh, Howard's wife. Right. And uh, that that was kind of a 1970s era flying car. That was the kind of the next evolution of that, that hover car program. Yeah. Uh, well, Martin, and here I thought I had spotted a, a right <laughs> the comics there. Now, when when you and I talked briefly yesterday, uh, trying to make sure everything was working fine uh, before coming on tonight, you mentioned you worked a little bit on um, Mission Breakout. Yeah. Yep. What did you do for it, for it? Well, so I was at Marvel for the for the full development of that of that attraction as well. So I, uh, you know, was there on the very first day when we started brainstorming what that could be, um, and saw it all the way through to completion, and worked with the Imagineers very closely and Marvel Studios very closely, um, and and that was a that was a, a lot of fun. It was very fast, you know, in terms of uh, ride development and uh, concept development because we we had about a year, I think, to pull that all together um iron man experience was a slower burn you know that we were working on that for several years um but uh but yeah gardens of the galaxy mission breakout we did really quick and, and we, when we all we had tower of terror to begin with you know so we had already a a, a great ride system and uh you know a popular attraction which that brought its own set of challenges in terms of you know uh meeting meeting the demands of of the guests um, but, uh, but we believed in the story we were telling and we believed that it was fun and that it was funny and that it was irreverent and that it was a completely new flavor and was really gonna, uh, really make people smile, uh, in Anaheim. So, uh, we had a lot of fun pulling that one together and working with, with James Gunn and the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy was, was pretty awesome. What would you say was your biggest challenge incorporating Mission Breakout into the existing Tower of Terror system? Um, I think it was, I think, I don't know how difficult it was, but I I think the, um, 
we had to think about it just that that ride experience differently because tower of terror is about building suspense and you know it's you go up a level and you you're given a little piece of narrative and you go up another level and you're given a piece of narrative and then ultimately culminating in the drop sequence um and mission breakout was not that this was not this was not about suspense this was about uh this was supposed to be filled with energy so instead of building to that we just right out of the gate shot you up the up the up the fortress and began the the drop sequence and you you would kind of come to a a piece of narrative and then go back right into it and and then having that sync up with the the beat and the feeling of different songs and writing it over and over and over and over again in the wee hours in the morning making making sure that the music felt right and the songs that we were selecting felt right with the 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 you know the drop and and rise of of uh, of that attraction uh those things were were challenging um, not and challenging, but but really, uh, you know, a ton of fun too. Because uh, I mean, we, it was it was just really it was rock and roll, man. It was a it was a blast. It was and 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 those guys are so funny and so cool. Yep. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Speaking of rock and roll, I got to share with you. I'm yeah, put it on share screen on my end uh, for you guys to see. Uh, all right, yes, share, and here we go. There you go. Look at that. And we just lost it. You see it now? There we go. Oh. Mm. Kind of, I think I think Mike is going to have to keep talking because okay, talking check, check. So I'm yeah. going to keep going. What you're looking here is this is the page from uh, it's the Amazing Spider-Man page three or issue three o four, where you see the log flume ride, uh, you see balloons that have Mickey shape and what looks like a little bit like Sleeping Beauty's Castle, but not being Sleeping Beauty's Castle. What I love is right behind Mary Jane here, you see a little bit of Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse in the background. You got some Mickey Mickey balloons there. Yep. Yep. So this is the page. I want to find this issue. I will pay for a cheap price for a crappy issue as long as this page is in good shape because I want to frame this page. <laughs> okay, so that that book came out in September 1988. So this it it, it predates Splash Mountain. Yeah, by, that's right by six months. But it doesn't mean Splash Mountain wasn't in the works at the times or or formally announced that it was coming. Maybe, maybe. So maybe but this I, was the artist rendition yeah. of what it was going to look like. But I love that there's like a it looks like there's a volcano in the background. Um, much more reminiscent of like a Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah. Than, yeah. Or Tokyo Disney Sea, I should say. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, I, I wonder if that, I always, every time I see that, I always wonder if that was meant to be the Matterhorn. Uh, probably, Matterhorn. probably. But, you know, these are, those are pre internet days, but it seems like you'd be able to find some Disneyland reference pretty easily, yeah. but I, I guess not. Um, but yeah, just going back to, to Mission Breakout, um, another, you know, another queue that is filled with Easter eggs and connections to the larger Marvel Universe. And and those, you know, doing the queue for Iron Man experience was, was a, I think we spent more time thinking about the queue than we did anything else because we really wanted to nail down the, the storytelling there. And, you know, and the same thing goes with uh, the collector and and his collection in that in that fortress um, so, so we uh, filled that with all kinds of stuff and the best two things are in the key line cosmo all right cosmo and howard the duck howard the duck Ooh. howard the duck is not oh no, he's on the in end. the queue he's on the back end no no no, <laughs> no. i could have sworn someone told me he was either in the queue oh. or in the back end 
I know they sell the Howard, plush. Howard, they do sell the plush, and Howard the Duck is, he's in the film, but he is not in the queue, like, as a physical presence. But He's in the attraction. Is, That's all that counts. He is. and th- But there is a, uh, there's a little purple dragon that you Disney fans might be familiar with that has a little, little East cameo. I love that touch. <laughs> I love that. Figment goes now, west. I, I got it. I got it. You, say, you said Figment. I didn't say Figment. I just said there may or may not be a purple dragon who shows up at some point. Uh, I'm sure any purple dragons that you see are purely a figment of your imagination. <laughs> it, it could be Lockheed for all you guys know. It's yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so are there any Easter eggs in there that y'all put in that I want to say that haven't been noticed or are largely unnoticed that you're like, I can't believe they haven't noticed this. Or uh, I believe I can't believe that more people haven't noticed this or uh, caught it. that James Gunn challenge with yeah, Guardians. Like yeah, he's done. Say, are you trying to put the James Gunn? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Um, I probably I'm sure there's stuff in there that hasn't been picked up on yet. Um, there's certainly more in the in the film uh, and because it happens so fast. You know, when you're uh, in the in the attraction and you're seeing, you know, the characters, you know, in the background, um, you know, we could see them because we had to watch those things over and over and over <laughs> again as we were creating it. Uh, but, yeah, unless you're you're you know, you probably have the film, you know, the, the attraction isolated as a as a film asset. It's probably tough to pick up on everything. When you were working on Mission Breakout, yeah. you were working back with your your former teammates. Do they give you a little bit of a hard time of, oh, you leave <laughs> just to come back? No, no, no. I, I, I have a great relationship with uh, the Imagineering folks. I have a lot of friends there. I talk to them every day still to this day. So, uh, you know, it's in some in some ways, it's almost like I never left, you know, because I, you know, I've, I've worked with them so closely over the years. And um, uh, but yeah, now just, you know, focused on the Marvel stuff. In fact, now I'm, I'm really focused on a lot of different Marvel things um, that are, you know, not related to the Disney parks. I'm, I'm working on a lot of fan experiences, museum exhibits. Um, uh, conventions and things like that, um, the, you know, around the world, you know, marathons and, and, uh, the Marvel run. And, you know, we did some stuff with run Disney for a while. And, um, so we just, you know, we've been working on just a bunch of, bunch of cool things. Avengers station, uh, in Las Vegas, uh, if you guys have been out there and, um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. So how how did you end up going from being an Imagineer to Marvel? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk yeah. us through how how all that transpired? Yeah, sure. So um, so while I was working at at Imagineering, uh, you know these again when I when Marvel was first purchased by Disney, I think only the first two Iron Man films and Incredible Hulk had come out. Um, so the larger Marvel universe um, were was relatively unknown to most people. You know, I mean, I think there was kind of a core of us comic book nerds that that knew it and and loved the Marvel universe and were excited about what the possibilities could be with Marvel and and the Disney parks. Um, and you know, I was it was Christmas morning for me when when Disney bought Marvel. I was I was just so over the moon excited because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, finally, you know, all all these things that I've loved and cared about my whole life, I get to you know work on this stuff and bring it to the parks and this is gonna be great and so i i tried to latch on to anything and everything marvel that i could i pitched 
big ideas, small ideas, medium-sized ideas, anything that I could do um, to show that I knew the brand and that I knew the characters and was passionate about it. And uh, and in doing that, you know, I, I worked on you know just about everything Marvel-related for for uh, for a number of years. Um, my you know the last half of my time at Imagineering and. Uh, in doing that, I got to be good friends with uh, Joe Casada, uh, you know, uh, EVP, creative director. You guys all know him, amazing artist. Trying to you get know, him Marvel on the show. Le- Marvel legend. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. he's the man. And, uh, you know, he and I became really good friends because, you know, not only did we have Marvel in common, but we're both big baseball fans. So uh, Joe and I would just talk baseball all the time. And, uh And one day Joe and I got breakfast and, you know, we were just kind of chatting about things. And, and I said, Hey, you know, it'd be kind of interesting if there was like an Imagineer on the Marvel team full time, who was just dedicated to all the Marvel stuff in the parks. And Joe kind of said, Oh, it's an interesting idea. And, and that was kind of the end of it. It was, you know, just a, you know, one, one line pitch and Joe thought it was interesting. And, and that was really the end of the conversation. And then uh, sure enough, about, you know, a few months later, uh, I got a call asking if I'd be interested in, uh, in taking that job and, and kind of heading up a whole new division of Marvel. Um, at the time it was, it was going to be called Marvel live events and uh, certainly included the parks, but it was not limited to that. There were other, you know, other events involved and, um, you know, we had the, what was happening at Universal's Islands of Adventure and, um, this Avenger station thing. And, and, uh, and, uh, so I, you know, I mean, I loved working at Imagineering and there was probably only one company on this planet that could pull me away from my job at, at WDI and that was Marvel. And, uh, so I, I decided to go ahead and take that job and, uh, you know, I've been there for, for five, last past five years and I love it, man. You know, I get to, so I still talk to Joe all the time and just talked to him today as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, we're still very good friends and he's a great mentor of mine and, uh, you know, very grateful for the job that, that I have. And, you know, it's because of Joe Casada, you know? Yeah. yeah, tell him we said hi next time. I will. And then we, I will. Tell him you got this great podcast you should be on. <laughs> I'll, I'll relay the message. <laughs> um, okay, now, so go ahead. I was going to ask, were, were you involved in the uh, touring show, touring stunt show that went out? Yes. As yep, well? yep. Mar- Marvel Universe Live. In fact, I spent some time in Florida working with the folks from uh, Feld Entertainment. Uh, the first iteration of the show um, I, I was not involved in. Um, I, I kind of inherited that one and, you know, I helped, you know, uh, tweak a few things here and there, but then we decided to retool the entire show and we brought in the guardians of the galaxy. We brought in iron fist. We brought in Dr. Strange. Uh, and, uh, and that, that second show was really robust, really awesome. I thought it was, you know, it's, it's, it's still great. I, I hope it, it gets, it comes back to the U S it's touring internationally right now. I hope it gets to come back here and you guys get to see it if you didn't see it already. Uh, but it had, it had stunts, it had music, it had dancing. It it was really a great family show and it was a live spectacle and, and, and really something only can be told in that format, um, as an arena show. The first iteration and my son and I really enjoyed it. Cool. Cool. I I want to take Zoe to it. Yeah. I think when it first came out, she was still a little too young for it, uh, the the best I could have done with her at that time outside of the parks was the Frozen on Ice or Disney on Ice shows. Yeah, and it's the same group that does yeah. Disney on Ice. Yeah. Now, 
Were you involved any with the Guardians of the Galaxy show that was at the American Gardens Theater here at Epcot? Uh, yes, uh, I, I was. Uh, I mean, the the, the Imagineering uh, team and, and Creative Entertainment they they did the bulk of the heavy lifting on that. Um, I certainly helped. You know, I advised on some of the Guardians of the Galaxy content, some of the some of the script uh, things like that, some of the creative direction. Um, yeah, we were we were involved in that. Well, we'll talk after show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good show. Don't get me wrong, but we'll, we'll talk after. <laughs> and I'm just curious because I'm uh, I'm a nerd for Iron Fist. <laughs> no. Yeah. So what version? Like, so what version of Iron Fist do we get in the show? Like, is this the version as closer to like what we would see in like animated show? Because I know that you no, know, you can't see a, a version of Iron Fist there. Or is this more comic? Or uh, it's, it's more it's more comic. Um, okay. It's it's definitely not you know the Finn Jones Netflix version um, okay. because this was a you know keep in mind Marvel Universe Live is intended for a family audience, right. um, and so most of the Netflix the characters were showing up in the Netflix shows you know Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica mm-hmm. Jones. Well, you know we we didn't bring those characters into a lot of family shows just because most kids wouldn't be familiar with them. Um, Iron Fist was a unique was in a unique situation because he had the the Netflix show but he also was on the Spider-Man show yep. the animated show yep. and so uh so we had a little bit of a some crossover appeal with Iron Fist mm-hmm. and so uh we thought you know why don't we why don't we give Iron Fist a shot um, and uh, the team at Feld, they they were into it. And what was cool is we had a lot of a lot of freedom to kind of design a completely new uh, Iron Fist costume. So the Iron Fist that shows up in that show has a completely new costume, very martial arts inspired, um, and it's it's one of the costumes I, I I think is is the coolest in the entire show. And he oh, actually okay. has a, a, a wrap, you know, around his fists and an arm that uh-huh. that does illuminate, you know, when he uh, when he does his. Oh, that's his cool. Thing. That's cool. Yeah, and ah. and yeah, it's 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 cool. And uh, yeah, if you're an Iron Fist fan, uh, you should definitely check it out. You know, go look it up on on YouTube or Google and see some of the images of the Iron Man co- or the Iron Fist costume. It's a uh, it's pretty cool. Sweet. So and we were yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I cut you <laughs> off, so. No, I was going to say, we worked with the uh, the same designer uh, on that who designed a lot of the costumes for um, for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He, uh. he helped out with that. And uh, he helped out with, with that and with Doctor Strange. Um, and then, uh, of course, the team at Feld um, and their designers, um, you know, did did a lot of the design work on that. So, uh, yeah, I was really proud of the Iron Fist costume. And, I mean, the Iron Fist and, and Doctor Strange costumes in particular for Marvel Universe Live are really rich and, and just gorgeous uh, costumes. What's Wait. Go ahead, Eric. Okay. My question is actually pertaining back to you being an Imagineer first and now working with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, what advantages do you feel your past career as an Imagineer give you in your new position? I mean, your yeah. ability to see it from not just the, the marketing angle, but also from like the, the Imagineering angle. Yeah. I think, you know, my, my time at Imagineering was, was just, so valuable because I, I had to think about stories in a completely different way. Um, we have to think about living in stories with the guest as the protagonist. 
um, instead of the, you know, the, the obvious Iron Man is the protagonist, the Guardians of the Galaxy is the protagonist. In the case of a, a, an attraction, you, the guest, are the star. You're the star of the story. Everything's happening to you and everything else is kind of happening around you. But it's your first person POV that's going, that has the arc that's going from beginning to end of each attraction. Um, and not just thinking, not so not just that, that linear thread of storytelling, but also thinking about what do you smell? Uh, what does it feel like when you can look anywhere you want and anybody's going to be looking anywhere they want, you know, in a three-dimensional experience? So bringing that, that mode of thinking to Marvel has been infinitely valuable because as we've you know started to translate a lot of these stories into into parks or museum exhibits um, or traveling experiences, we have to think about these stories three dimensionally. And you have to do essentially what what Kevin Feige and his team at and Marvel Studios have done so well is take take the essence of of the characters from decades of of storytelling in the comics distill them down into one idea to tell a great one great story that will satisfy the largest number of people possible so when you bring these you know these stories into the into the parks or into these other kinds of experiences you kind of have to do the same thing you have to you're working with a completely different medium doing a movie is not the same as doing a comic book and doing a a, a theme park attraction or uh, an exhibit is not the same as doing a movie so you can't just say well just just tell the tell what you told over here but tell it on this on this canvas instead and it doesn't doesn't work that way you have to think completely different about how you tell stories um and and having the guest be a part of the narrative is new for marvel relatively new right because you're no longer the passive observer viewer watching the action unfold you are you are the the key to the whole thing Okay. And you get to be the head of all of that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. Just, I don't know that just, I'm the head of all that, but I'm. I, I definitely play my part. Uh, what What's been uh, since you made the move to Marvel? I'm not going to say the jump to Marvel, the move to Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. What's been uh, your favorite project that you've worked on? Um, I mean, Iron Man experience will always be near and dear to my heart, man. Um, I mean, that was you know getting to you know, work on that at Imagineering and then over at Marvel um, and being able to you know being in the front end and pitching it at the very beginning beginning on the very first day on day one and getting to stand there um, on uh, on opening night uh, in Hong Kong with with my friends and and my co-workers um, and my wife was was just a, a really cool awesome experience and to, to see everything that we had talked about for years uh, finally brought to life um, in Hong Kong Disneyland was so special so yeah Iron Man experience will always be special to me but um but yeah, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout's right there. I also, you know, want to say the uh, the Marvel Universe of Superheroes uh, museum exhibit that we did for Mopop in Seattle, Museum of Pop Culture. That was a blast to work on, and it's uh, it's still traveling now. Uh, it's going to be in Chicago. Um, you know, whenever we get back to some semblance of, of right. normal in the world, um, it'll be there and. Uh, it's going to be has a few other destinations after that. So if, if you get a chance to go see that at museum exhibit, if you haven't seen it yet, as a Marvel fan, you guys you guys have to check it out because it is it is it tells the full eighty year story of everything Marvel. You know, starting with Marvel Comics number one, and we've got original artwork, we've got original costumes, we got props, we have photo ops, uh, and multimedia. Like it is a it is a Marvel fans kind of dream because it's all right there, and you get to just absorb it all. It's great. 
Hopefully it comes okay. to the Orlando or Tampa area. There you go. Uh, one quick question about that. Yeah. Uh, you get to take home one prop or <laughs> artifact from that entire collection. What are you bringing? Oh, my gosh. Um, does it matter how big it is? No. No. Okay. We're assuming you've got a truck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think the, the coolest thing, I mean, it, there's a lot of cool ones, man. I mean, just getting to hold Cap Shield or Mjolnir, I've, I've been able to do those things, and that was that was pretty awesome. You but, uh, I, yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I, I at least for, <laughs> for that, <laughs> for, um, I would say the, the Red Skull's car, oh. Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. car. Is about the coolest thing I've ever yes. seen. Yes. Uh, and I, 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 we got to see it. Um, I, I, I loved it in the film, but, uh, seeing it in person at the Avengers infinity war, uh, premiere, they had Marvel studios had brought out a lot of the props and, uh, costumes and whatnot for that premiere. And the car, the red skulls car was there and it is every bit as cool as it looked on, on film, if not more. So uh, that thing behind the wheel uh, and you were driving. Oh, I wish, man. I, <laughs> I wish, I don't know that I, I, uh, endorse the red skulls, uh, uh, methodology but uh, i i certainly appreciate his taste in vehicles well there you go <laughs> well, most bad guys have a cool car though i know man what's up, what's up with that it's because the the wheels get the heels <laughs> um so i want to ask since you mentioned captain america first adventure yeah. how would you rank the three captain america movies okay that's all right it gets a little controversial it gets a little controversial Uh-oh. here because i uh I get asked this question a lot. There, there's only we one. Number one. On Jokingly, I will say for number one, there's only one correct answer. But I'm, well, are you going to say what everybody says? Probably not. Okay. Probably um, not. I, you should know me. I will surprise you. <laughs> All right. I will say, and, and this is uh, might be controversial, but uh, Captain America, the first Avenger is my favorite. Um, yes. I, uh, I I love the, the World War II aesthetic. Yes. Um, and, and it is probably the most of all the Marvel studios films, it's probably the most quote unquote superhero, um, in terms of having that iconic theme song, Mm -hmm. you know, that we get to, we get to hear, um, you know, it's, it's clearly good versus evil. Um, you know, Captain America, I mean, Chris Evans was just such a revelation. I thought as Steve Rogers and Haley Atwell was, was phenomenal. Um, uh, it was just I, I love that movie. I, I love everything about it. So yeah, Captain America: The First Avenger. I agree. I'm right there. Uh, and then I, I would follow that with. Okay, really? Wow, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I, I thought you guys might differ with me on that one. No, Captain America: First Avenger <laughs> is my favorite of the three. I would differ, but you know, but it, it, it's only because there's a very close. They, the, the number one and number two are really close, but there's only the only thing is that one particular movie has my favorite Cap uniform. So, you know, that that kind of which one is your favorite cap uniform? Uh, the super soldier uniform, the one that's in uh, uh, Winter Soldier. Okay, so kind of the Commander Rogers stealth yeah, yeah. suit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Plus, plus, you got Batroc. Come on. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, you gotta, you gotta love the beeper. 
yeah. I, I would say my my favorite Captain America costume um, is not actually from the first Avenger. I think my favorite Captain America costume is from Avengers: Age of Ultron because um, it was it was after Age of Ultron when um, the white on the arms was removed and it became just solid blue. Yeah. And, it, and it, yeah. it got a little darker. And so I, I thought the Age of Ultron suit really looked like the perfect embodiment of Captain America um, from comics to, to film. Yeah. I, I think for me, my favorite costume. Colors were a little brighter. See, my, my favorite costume is his one from uh, Infinity War, where he's almost at that, oh, al- almost in the nomad phase. Yeah. 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 That, that's yeah, I, yeah. I, I get you. I get you. I, I like them all. Well, except for the one for the very first Avengers movie. I, I wasn't that big a fan of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked just a little bit too corny to me. But I mean, they're all good. But for me, the 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 best one, the one I prefer the most, is the very first one. Mm-hmm. The the one that he handed Howard the notes on said, you know, I I, I had some changes for the uniform. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. The whole the whole context of Peggy has just emptied a clip at him at point blank range. He's like, I got some ideas, and, and they're, <laughs> it, it's kind of like they're still in shock, but they're trying to power through it. it yeah, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, but I think that's part that makes me like that costume so much is. A, it was Steve's design. It was not. It it was not. You know, the one Senator Brandt had made for him. It wasn't the one that you know the Starks had made for him. You know, in the modern day. Mm-hmm. And plus, it incorporated just real world accoutrements. Yeah, right. It wasn't chainmail. It wasn't you know spandex. It wasn't like e- any modern stuff. It's kind of like. You know, it had straps and suspenders and and stuff, and it, it looked more utilitarian mm-hmm. than than his other outfits. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're all great. They're every single yeah. one. I mean, Captain America just had he's had such a great evolution in the MCU. Mm-hmm. You know, I even like the old USO suit, man. I I love all of it. You know. <laughs> See, I I thought yeah. the the USO suit was a great nod to the original. Uh, back to the the origin. Yeah. It was brilliant. The uniform was brilliant of the cost uh, of the comics. To bring that to life, and you know, because I mean, look, there in, in the early days of the MCU, when we, you know, we were talking about a lot of these attractions and stuff. I was, you know, we we were really wondering how things like like the the Rainbow Bridge were going to be brought to life in Asgard, and you know, were people going to be able to comprehend Niflheim and Muspelheim and uh, you know, how are you going to make a guy with the with the spangly outfit? How is that going to be cool in in today's world? And man, they they just knocked it out of the park. And when I saw the USO tour, I was like, that is such a stroke of brilliance uh-huh. of making that the that's how he gets a suit, essentially a red, white, and blue flag suit um, of some kind, and then let that evolve into into the design that he wore that, that you're referring to. And by the way, love the the, the little touch. And and again, as a, as an artist, this nerds me. I, you know, I nerd out on this that he's an artist. We see him yeah. drawing the picture of him as a as a circus monkey. Yes, you know, and yes. and 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 we only see that you know from time to time in the comics. You know, I, there's a great issue, and I don't remember which one it is, but um, it's him and Spider Man kind of geeking out. 
together and, and Captain America is sharing with Spider-Man the fact that he can draw and, and, and kind of drew comic book type stuff. And because uh, at the end of the day, he's a scrawny nerd kid. Yeah. yeah. Right. Trapped in like a cool dude body. And, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that he would be a kid who would sit down at the sketchbook and 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 draw. And, and not that, you know, artists are nerdy. I don't think I'm all that nerdy. Maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, but I, I just love that little touch, you know, in the end, to your point, you know, when he shared that design with uh, with Howard, by the way, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump back in the conversation. So uh, you mentioned Easter eggs in the Iron Man experience queue. Right. Mm-hmm. So that moment that you just referenced of when he handed Howard Stark that design, I wanted to know what that looked like. I saw that is right next to the prototype shield, isn't it? Yes. Yes. So, so that piece I drew. Um, <laughs> because I want to, I'm like, what would, what would, how would Steve Rogers design this? And how would he, how would he think about it? What materials would he use? What type of paper would he use? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I used kind of, I aged a, a, an actual sheet of paper and sat down with colored pencils and watercolor. And I sketched out how I thought Steve Rogers might've designed that suit. And I, and I did little annotations of what, you know, how it would have all come together. And I signed it, you know, Steve, and I gave it to uh, uh, the creative director of that project, Ted Robledo, who's another one of my great mentors at WDI. And, uh, and, and he dug it and, and we used it in the attraction and now it's hanging there to this day. I was looking at the, the video clips to just looking for the prototype shield, first of all, and also like just the crushing revelation that that was not indeed, you know, Nick Fury's flying Ferrari, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just saw like, you know, right next to that prototype shield was like a sketch of what looked to be his first Avenger outfit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. son of a gun. Yep. They took Steve's yeah. drawing and reproduced it. Well, because that was my first question is, you know, I mean, the first thing we want to do is check and see if that exists. So that was my first phone call was, hey, is this a thing that exists? You know, because we didn't see it on film. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, it doesn't. You know, we don't we didn't really do that design. We didn't really do that drawing. And I'm like, bingo, opportunity. So I believe the sheet of paper actually has has started. Stark Industries um, uh, branding on the sheet of paper as if, you know, he would have taken it right off the, you know, a piece of uh, a memo from from Howard. Very cool. You know, this this geeks me out because I don't know if you guys will. Yeah, I know you remember the the red brown captain america uh movies back yeah. in the late 80s. so right mm-hmm. about that time i was i was reading captain america and in the comics he was making money as a graphic designer and so he would travel around and he he kept his shield like in a big like a big case like you no know, where it looked like he would keep all of his uh all of his uh drawing pads the portfolio and case so, yeah. yeah big portfolio and so, and I remember he was dating Bernie Bernenthal. I don't know why Ber- I remember that. Anyway. Yeah, okay. It's a great name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so he, so I just remembered in the, in the movie that Steve was an artist there too. And he sketched out uh, the costume that he was going to wear. And it, it was something that was inspired by something his dad had uh 
told him whatever. And so I just that that moment kind of geeked out for me as well because I, I don't know if it was I don't think that they were actually hailing back to that moment in that movie because chances are you no know, most people have pretty much forgotten about it. But I love that they brought out that Steve was an artist. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's a great it's a great little kind of you know. It's it's a small piece of his character, but I think it it speaks to kind of skinny Steve and and who you know kind of his background and where he comes from and who he might have been had he not you know become Captain America you know super soldier um you know I love that it's a, it's a cool little nod he might have gone working for uh, Timely Comics there you go there you go I love that that universe so you know. <laughs> um- What's one series that you would love to see with with characters that we've seen or maybe even not seen uh, in the MCU that you would love to see either that you get to bring to to live like maybe at a convention uh as as a theme for for an exhibit uh for a display or exhibit or on the mcu i know it's very broad yeah there's a there's a there's a lot to unpack there um i I would say uh gosh in the mcu i mean i'm 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 really jazzed about what's coming up i mean i'm I'm excited with some of these characters that they're looking to bring to life like moon knight and uh she-Hulk and Ms. Marvel um, and uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, there's, you know, the Etern- there's just, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, man, I think, I think maybe I'd like to see another, another run at Iron Fist. If I had to, if I had to pull something out, you know, s- you know, mm-hmm. see what he might look like in that world. Um, uh, what else? Let's go, let's go crazy. I want to see Squirrel Girl. Yeah. <laughs> supposedly, uh, supposedly the she's on film just hasn't been released yet. So I don't know why Disney Plus is waiting. Um, it's the new uh, yeah, new warrior, I, new York, new warriors a shot. It's in the can. So yeah, I I mean I don't know. There's there's I think the sky's the limit. I think you know what what they were able to do, what what Kevin and his team were able to do with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and, uh, you know, really pull very obscure characters, you know, outside of the, the core fan base that, that, you know, knows them and, and make that appealing to a, to a broad audience and make it palatable. Um, I, I really think there's, there's nothing they can't do at this point. Um, I'm excited for Eternals. It's a completely another yeah. kind of is similar in that vein, you know, very unfamiliar characters to the larger um, movie going audience. And I think to see, you know, Shang-Chi is kind of in that same in that same mm-hmm. category. Um, it's going to be exciting to see what happens with with those characters. Um, as far as exhibits. Um, um... Gosh, and now, now that now that I, I think about this, I mean, who doesn't want to see the Fantastic Four in the MCU? Yeah. Who doesn't want to see the X Men in the in the MCU? I would love to see what their take is going to be on those characters at some point. Um, you know, I I I love the Fantastic Four, I really do, and I I, I I'm excited about. Um, maybe doing more with them in some of the cons and exhibits and fan experiences and things like that. I mean, we'll wait and see, you know, what happens with, with them um, on film at some point. Um, I know Kevin's kind of teased that a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where, where he's going, um, but I, I'm excited where, wherever it's going. And, and the Fantastic Four is such a great group of characters and a very unique uh, family, um, family setting, family dynamic. Um, they're, they're a great group of characters um, to play with. I would love to see as a Disney plus show or even as a theme for a convention, um, floor piece for you guys, howling commandos. <laughs> nice. That's a great call. That's very cool. I'm into that. You know, you're, 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 we're all with you because we, we all 
all have already expressed our affinity yep. for Captain America: The First Avengers. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you're, you're playing. To, you're playing to the crowd right there. I I've been pitching Howling Commandos for <laughs> a while now. <laughs> Uh, at least five years. Yes. Yeah, at least <laughs> That's five years. as long as I have been part of this podcast, and you have been pitching it since then. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Take, I'll take animated even with them. I, I think there's, I mean, it's sort of like the Clone Wars from Star Wars. There is a yeah. bunch of tales to be told with the commandos, uh, both Cap era and post-Cap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even if we don't get to see Fantastic Four in the MCU, I think there would be enough material to do like a traveling exhibition on the Fantastic Four technology. Mm-hmm. Like you have the Fantastic Car, you have the, the Negative Zone portal, you've got um, the Ultimate Nullifier, though you'd have to put that, you know, hands off that one. But mm-hmm. just that's one thing I loved about the Fantastic Four when I would read it or watch the old animated series is that, yes, they had superpowers, but they they employed technology. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as kind of like, OK, yeah, I can't stretch my arm a mile long to get to the fridge or something to eat without getting from my recliner. But, you know, if I had a laser gun, I could do this. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, but yeah there, there's there's a there's a, a lot of rich possibilities to explore. Um, I think we've just started scratching the surface, man. It's going to be it's going to be awesome to see where it all goes. I, and I think we'll see the Fantastic Four in the MCU. And, and I think it'll be done right. It'll be the first time uh, the characters will be done right since the Roger Corman films or film. Mm-hmm. How odd. How weird does that sound to say Roger Corman did it right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are not those are just two things that normally do not go together. <laughs> well, until the seventies chocolate and peanut butter didn't go, go together. Well, I guess I don't know. Not not officially, but uh, <laughs> until that one guy was coming walking around the corner and the other guy's walking around the corner and then they bumped into each other, you know. <laughs> hey, that's what they showed on TV. Can't always believe what you see on TV. Oh man. <laughs> um is there <laughs> is there something you could you could tease us on what you're working on next? Gosh, uh, let's see what 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 can I what can I talk about? Um, I guess some sort of My, Mighty Marvel Geeks exclusive here. <laughs> no, I mean I, I think I'm excited for the same stuff you guys are excited about. I'm sure you guys are excited about um, Avengers Campus. You know, I got to work on that for a little bit. Um, so excited to see that uh, come to life. Um, uh, I'm not not really working on that right now, but uh, like I said, I you know got to work on that a little bit with the with the Imagineering team and everything that's going into that. So that's exciting. That, the animatronic stunt Spider-Man <laughs> is so cool looking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think I think everybody's gonna. I think it's. I think people are gonna be excited with it. Um, and uh, you know, I'm having a blast with the with the museum exhibit, and and uh, I think. I don't have anything to tease necessarily, but um, I, I think the the future is bright for a lot of fan experiences as we start to grow the Marvel universe um, and let people experience the Marvel universe in a lot of different ways. And I think that's what that's what excites me. Um, is you know I mean I still love reading my comics you know I read comics every day and and I love the movies and I love you know what Marvel Games is doing with the I'm excited for the Avengers game I think it's going to be oh I can't wait phenomenal um, 
So I think, you know, they're working on some amazing stuff. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a great time to be a Marvel fan, man. I mean, there's just, there's so much cool stuff happening right now and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of really passionate, talented people working at, uh, working at the house of ideas these days. So it's, it's, it's fun to be fun to be one of them. What are some of your monthly go-to titles that you got to read every month? So, uh, I am grossly behind because I do try to read all of our, 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 our Marvel comics. Um, my, my favorite, I, I, I love Jason Aaron's Thor run. I thought it was just, you know, out of this world. Uh, I think Donny Cates seemingly can do no wrong right now. I mean, he's just crushing it. Uh, his Venom stuff has been awesome. Loved his Thanos, uh, his Thanos book. Um, oh gosh, what else? You know, I, I love Punisher, so I'm, I, I always dig dig reading what's happening with Punisher. Um, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying Guardians of the Galaxy right now. A lot of cool stuff. Have you been? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jason Aaron. I think he's uh, he's in a in a class all of his own, and just a great dude on top of it. Have you been enjoying the uh, the return of Star Wars to to Marvel Comics? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. So I don't I I don't get to I don't know too much about what's happening in that in that realm because it's it's kind of a different um different circle of brainstorming and we do have uh, editorial retreats um for Marvel Comics and uh, they do a completely separate retreat for Star Wars. So I don't necessarily hear what's coming up from the Star Wars books. Um, so I, I kind of get that get that stuff as you guys get it. Um. But the stuff for for Marvel Comics, I mean, those are those are really fun rooms to be in to hear all the writers kind of pitch pitch their ideas and pitch what's going on and what's coming up. And uh, you know, it, like I said, Jason, yeah, I, I just I love the guy. I think he's I think he's just one of the yeah. nicest dudes on the planet and a huge Disney Parks fan, yep. which you may not know. Always he loves the parks. We, uh, Eric and I chatted with him a few years ago. Yeah, oh, that's right. Uh, it was right after the Star Wars title started. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. So he's he's a huge Disney Parks fan and. And he, uh, you know, he, he, he's a pretty quiet guy. He's, he's a, he's, he kind of keeps to himself for the most part. But then when it comes to his turn to pitch his, his upcoming storyline, he just blows it out of the water. And it's like the, the greatest e-ticket ride you can imagine. And oh, wow. you know, he, he's just something else. He's such a talented dude. Um, another book I'm, I'm really loving right now, uh, by the way, is uh, Strange Academy, Scotty Young and Umberto yeah. Ramos. Yeah. Um, what a, another great new addition to the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, I, I, I long have said I think I think Doctor Strange is, is kind of the, one of the perfect characters for, for Disney parks um, to explore magic and the, and the mystic arts and everything that comes along with that. Um, and Strange Academy, what a cool, cool new addition with new locations and new characters. But, you know, with touchstones into, you know, alien races and uh, things that we've seen before. Um, I mean, Scotty, he's he's got an amazing imagination. And, and, it, and it screams, he's, he's as good a writer as he is an artist. And so it, screams, awesome it screams Disney attraction, too, <laughs> which could be one that could go on both coasts. Because it does well, man, I, yeah, it's, it's outside of that, that uh it's in that loophole of the universal contract. It's it's exciting, you know. It's he's he's really tapped into something new, and it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, and Umberto Umberto's art on that, by the way. I mean, Umberto Ramos is another. I mean, just a Marvel legend. I mean, the guy, yeah. you know, absolutely loves Spider Man, especially. Um, but everything he does, he's great at drawing youthful characters. He's he's just a, an amazing talent. So I gotta ask, Marvel or Marvel? <laughs> Can you be a little? more clear on what you're asking sure over on the over on the right side you got marvel over on the left side you got marvel Which well i gotta you go? say uh, you know make mine marvel man let's All go right. let's go 
where where can people find you online? Uh, so I don't do Facebook, but I am on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Wizard of Croz, C-R-O-Z, uh, 23. Um, and, you know, another thing I've been doing a lot of right now, especially during, you know, while we're all on quarantine and hunkering down, I've been doing uh, a series of how to draw uh, tutorials. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and not just me, but a lot of other amazing artists as well. Phil Noto and, uh, gosh, there's a whole bunch that have been doing it. Uh, Todd Nock. Um, you know, there's been a whole slew of artists that have been contributing to this. And I was, uh, I was kind of the, the, the guinea pig, the, the first one out of the gate. I did a, uh, Spider-Man, yep. uh, tutorial. Yep. Uh, did a Spider-Man tutorial and, uh, we did it on, on Marvel's YouTube channel and on so Facebook I, and on Twitter. And so Instagram. and I both watched it. That's great. Thank you. I want to uh, say you, you also did Groot too, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did Groot, did it, and uh, so did I did Spider Man Groot. Uh, I got a couple more upcoming. I did a a Spider Man in his web suit uh, for the Disney Parks web suit. Um, mm-hmm. I did that on the Disney Disney Parks blog. So if you want to learn how to draw that, you can go there. Um, and I've got some more stuff coming up. So that you know, I've been having a blast doing these uh, drawing tutorials, and you know, I love seeing the drawings from you know fans of all ages all over the world have been sending me their drawings. So it's been uh, been a, a lot of fun to do. I will send you a picture of Zoe's baby Groot. Oh, that I can't wait to see it. That's I'll, awesome. I'll send you a copy of that. Um, cool. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, hey, my pleasure, guys. Any final thoughts? Um, um, no, I look forward to looking through your Instagram feed because <laughs> I just subscribed. So awesome, awesome. Thanks. Well. On that note, uh, Thursday, if you would. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? No, just time to go dark. Thank you for pressing the self-destruct button. Have a nice day. Just kidding.